0: And then I did have an aha moment. I was driving to school. It was, it'll be three years ago this November, and I was listening to a podcast. Um, He was asking her, she had a jewelry company, ironically, that she had on Etsy, and she was a teacher, and she wanted to go full-time in jewelry. And so they were talking about if she were to leave and give herself a year to make the jewelry thing work, what would be the worst case scenario? And her answer was, well, I'll just go back to teaching. I might have to go to a different district, but I can go back to teaching. And his response was... (laughs) Amazing. How does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? I pulled over. I cried. I texted my husband. I said, I can't do this anymore.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, a.k.a. a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board, with fancy titles like editors-in-chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately, how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. This week's episode is with the incredible Jess Glazer. Jess is a reputable online business coach, and she's a certified personal trainer who currently trains at Performix House in New York. So I met Jess at a fitness industry gathering where there were about 20 of New York's top trainers in the room. And the second I heard her speak, I was like, who the hell is that girl? I just, I I have to talk to her. She is so incredibly well-spoken, and she's so smart about the way that she's navigated the fitness industry, which let me just say, it's not an easy industry to navigate right now. She's figured out a way to make her career way more sustainable and also just more fulfilling and lucrative. On today's episode, we get into how Jess went from being a school teacher to having an aha moment when she realized that what she wanted was to take her teaching abilities and her coaching skills to a different market. We talk about the details of what an online business coach actually does how she first heard about this profession. We get into the details of how she stays efficient. And we also talk about her morning routine. And I decided to copy one of her rituals because it was too good not to. And most importantly, we get into how her business has made such a drastic impact on her students and their lives. So with that, welcome to Active Ingredient Just. So, we are here in studio with Jess Glazer, and I am so pumped to have you on the podcast for so many reasons, but I have witnessed your growth over the course of the past year. And I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm blown away, like by every single thing that you're doing. I'm also just so impressed by how much you've impacted other people's lives. And like testimonials are one thing, but they're people that I actually know and have seen their growth. So I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for that intro. It gives (laughs) me all the feels when I hear other people say it, Um, you know, because we could be so hard on ourselves sometimes. But yes, thank you.
1: So before we get into what you're doing now, I want to take it all the way back to, because I I know that fitness is not your primary thing right now, but it was a huge part of your life and I think was definitely a huge factor of how you even got to this space to begin with. Um, Can you take it back to your first kind of love of fitness and what it is about it that excites you?
0: Yeah, sure. Honestly, if you were to ask my parents, my first love of fitness started at like the age of two. I mean, I was running before I was walking. I was climbing things, hanging on. You know, furniture at home. So they enrolled me in gymnastics at a really young age. And through them putting me into gymnastics by the age of seven, I was actually doing like 20 to 30 hours a week of training, flying around the world, competing super high level. And so fitness just kind of always was. My first job I got in middle school was at a gym, like an actual local fitness facility. I worked in the daycare room. I worked my way up to front desk. And then right before my 17th birthday, got certified as a personal trainer and group fitness instructor. And I taught group fitness all through college, was training clients. So that was about 17 years ago. Wow. Yeah.
1: So back to your gymnastic days, because that is like not a normal kid trajectory to (laughs) then just go from taking a gymnastics class to then becoming this insane gymnast. And I think that it takes a certain kind of personality. Like, was that in you? Were your parents kind of pushing you? I guess I'm trying to see, is there a parallel with that kind of
0: growth at that age to what you're doing now? It's a great question. It is 100% me. And my parents have always been fully supportive of me stopping whenever I wanted to. And that was something they always said. If I got sick and tired of it, if I wanted to have a social life, because let's face it, I kind of traded training for a social life. They were 100% supportive. They never pushed me or you know, forced me to do it. And whenever I wanted to quit, I was allowed to. So yeah, it was just, I'm a busy person. I just like to be going and on the move all the time. It's who you are. Yeah. So you went into
1: personal training. You said you were 17. How old are
0: you? Yeah, I started training. I was actually, it was right before I was 17. Um, started training some clients while I was still at home in high school. And then all through college I trained and did group fitness and I went to school for my doctorate for physical therapy. So again, just always in the fitness world. Yeah.
1: So I guess I feel like this fitness space and you, you and I have definitely talked about this through talent hack, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of like a whole new wave of entrepreneurialism and you kind of identified that at a very early age. What was it about it that you knew could be a lifelong kind of career path? Because I feel like most people, especially like the way that we grew up, like I, I remember thinking the only way to be successful would be to be a lawyer, a doctor, something more traditional and like to have that insight to not only become a personal trainer, but also think about the physical therapy side of it and kind of go that route.
0: Um, I kind of just like love to hear your thought patterns. Yeah, to be time. honest, I'm not sure that I saw it as something I could do full time. So, to me, physical therapy was something I could do full time. Also, something I sort of grew up in, mm-hmm. just constantly in therapy for different injuries or rehab or prehab. Um, so, I was going more that route as I went through college and kind of was going through other experiences. I did see other fitness professionals making it a full time thing, but again, that was not my path or trajectory. I ended up actually. Teaching elementary school, phys ed and health for eight years. So I didn't even get into physical therapy after school. I um took a leave after my first year of grad school and ended up teaching. So I've had I've kind of taken a couple different paths. I'm excited Um, to get into them. So what was it about teaching that that got you to that place? I was always a coach Mm -hmm. and I was always like a camp counselor. I just I love fitness, I love teaching. It just is natural for me. And to be honest, my parents kind of forced me to get a teaching degree as one of those like fall back on plans. And thankfully they did, because I needed it to fall back on. (laughs) So how long were you teaching
1: for? Eight years. And during those eight years is when you kind of had all these different side projects going on and you were side hustling. Like, did you feel like the teaching job alone wasn't fulfilling enough or it wasn't like time conducive or whatever? Like you just had more time to play with. Like, what was it about that time in your life that you were like, I'm going to go for it? 10 million other projects.
0: Yeah. I think it was a combination of all of those things. So I, hats off to all teachers out there. It is an admirable job. It is not easy. And you put in so much time after the actual school mm-hmm. day. But for me, yes, I wasn't totally fulfilled. Something felt like it was missing. I also, I did have a lot of time after school. By the time my husband, at the time, I guess boyfriend and fiance, by the time he would come home from work, I had six hours by myself that I could really be doing other things. And then also a need for myself. There was kind of like a gap or a hole, and I just wanted to fill it. Again, I like being busy, and it was just – I had my hands in so many other um, so many other pots. I just was always excited about doing other things. So what were your first side projects? Oh, gosh. Looking back, I feel like I'm a serial entrepreneur, which I – 100%. Yeah, like, which I 100%. never really thought about. So all the way back from when I was doing personal training full-time, I had <laughs> – Side note, I had a background in fashion for like a small, oh, yeah, a small not stint know of time. Yeah. So my mom is an artist and growing up, we always like made my clothing and made my jewelry and all that type of stuff. So <laughs> after physical therapy school, I was personal training full time. I actually went to FIT, Fashion Institute. Yeah. For You're a like year. you like the most educated person I know. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You it's have funny. have so I like many different finish. degrees. But I didn't finish. Oh. You know, I did a year for accessory de- accessory design at FIT. And so when I was personal training, I was making a lot of accessories, purses, actually. And so I got into selling purses. I had a accessory line. I was going to trade shows. And so I think that's kind of where in my adult life, entrepreneur, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit was really like sparked. Uh, But then during my eight years teaching, I'd gotten into network marketing for a little while. And honestly, that was my MBA for business. Like that is where I learned. How did you first get into that? So I did bodybuilding and fitness competitions, and my coach and the team that I was on, they were all involved in a network marketing company, and it just kind of made sense because I was using the products. I liked the products, and so it was like, okay, let me build a team around this and get my products paid for. Um, I did that for five years. I have not been with them for the last couple of years, which is fine. They were It was an incredible experience, but I think when I started doing that and understanding that I i actually understood more about business and marketing than I thought, and I was always a teacher and a leader. Um, I ended up creating a tribe of women. It was called Fit Trips. It still exists, kind of, sort of, and it was around for four years. And it was just a way for us to get together. So what started as an online community in a Facebook group turned into, hey, let's meet in person, which turned into monthly women's only fitness-based field trips. And so every month, I would put together essentially a field trip. We would do a fitness class. I would rent the whole entire place out. And we would do brunch, and there would be swag bags, and I just was aligned with a lot of really cool companies along the way. We give back to charity every single month, and it turned into international retreats and ambassadors in other cities. So it got really big really fast, and that was cool. So that was one of the side hustles. Damn, so you're doing all this while being a teacher.
1: Yeah, and then... um, So we have accessories, (laughs) we
0: have fit trips. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the network network marketing, my online training actually started about six and a half years ago. So people will look at me now and be like, oh, you started online training a year ago. And the truth is it was about six and a half years ago because my fitness coach was in Boston and I was in New Jersey. And so she was emailing me my workout programs and tweaking them just through email. And I was paying her that way. And I was like, well, I can do this too. I've been a trainer. And so it started with emails and then it went into you know, paid blog posts and eBooks and low ticket courses and eight week challenges. And I've kind of just grown with the online coaching industry, which now lives more in high ticket courses.
1: So with all of these projects that you had going on while working a full time job, uh, did you have like one moment where you were like, I need to identify what the things are that I want to focus on, or I need to identify the thing that actually lights me up and run with that full speed? Like, was there one moment? Was it gradual? Was it like you saw that this online business was really
0: moving and then you decided to kind of
1: put all your eggs in that basket? What was that transition like?
0: Yeah. Combination of all those things. So the online stuff was picking up. My heart was there. I found myself at school during my like planning periods. I would actually be working on my side hustle stuff and I just realized it wasn't fair to myself or my students. And then I did have an aha moment. I was driving to school. It was, it'll be three years ago this November and I was listening to a podcast Um, He was asking her, she had a jewelry company, ironically, that she had on Etsy and she was a teacher and she wanted to go full-time in jewelry. And so they were talking about if she were to leave and give herself a year to make the jewelry thing work, what would be the worst case scenario? And her answer was, well, I'll just go back to teaching. I might have to go to a different district, but I can go back to teaching. And his response (laughs) was, amazing. How does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? I pulled over. I cried. I texted my husband. I said, "I can't do this anymore." Wow. And I left at the end of that school year. Yeah. So I left two years ago. Wow. Yeah. So okay, that's
1: first of all, that is if that's not like divine intervention, I don't know what is. That's crazy. How do you go from having that moment to then actually sitting with yourself, even if you literally at the end of your rope and you're just like, "I definitely can't do this anymore." At the end of the day, you have bills to pay. So how do you go from leaving something studied, knowing where that paycheck is going to then saying, I actually have what it takes and I'm capable enough to make X, Y, and Z bottom line and then grow from there. Like, did you already have, did you, with those side businesses, did you feel like you already had that
0: stability? No, not to the point that I had with my actual job, but I will say, I think there's a level in between, um, where you're leaving and then where you're trying to get in terms of just even financial instability Mm -hmm. benefits, all of that. And it's, getting gritty and maybe doing something that you don't want to do. So for me, another kind of life-changing moment was a mentor of mine said, and I quote him all the time, ego is your biggest overhead. And so for me, and that's Chris Harder, um, (laughs) I had to put my ego aside and say, you know what, Jess, you might have to take a job or two that you don't really want to do in the meantime because you're not going to just quit and all of a sudden have this six or seven-figure business. And so that's what I did. And we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of what I was, but I just, I told myself that I had to be okay with it, whether that was going to be waitressing, bartending, training clients, you know, 12 hours a day. It's what I needed to do to line myself up and kind of step into the next level. So what were those things that you were lining yourself up to be? Like, what did you want to be doing full-time? So I wanted to be a full-time, you know, boss and really own my own company and do coaching. At the time, I thought it was going to just be the health and wellness coaching and fit trips. I didn't realize what it was going to turn into, but, um, I had to, I had to, I had to be a trainer, you know, I had to pay the bills. And for me, it was being a trainer. Like I said, I could have walked into any, I mean, we're in New York city. I could have walked into any single place. I could have been a barista. I could have been working retail and it was just having that understanding that I might have to do it for a little while, but it's temporary. That's really good advice. Yeah. So I
1: want to kind of just give like a, basic 101 on what is a business coach? Like what is someone that you hire online? I feel like you were kind of ahead of the ahead of what's happening now. I feel like it's definitely a more not mainstream because it's definitely not mainstream yet, but it's definitely grown in the past, I would say two to three years, at least from my perspective. And you've been doing this for close to seven years now. So can you kind of give us first a 101 on what business coaching is and what you saw then that you are that you were so excited about and that you are excited to continue doing.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. The industry has shifted a lot and I'm inside of a bubble. So for me, I'm almost late to the game, but then in the general population, I know that I'm considerably earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is really interesting, but online coaching can really be so many different things. Business coaching can be different things. There are different types of coaches and consultants out there. Uh, There are done for you services. That is not something that I do. So I'm more of a consultant where I'm helping you build your business And I take clients through from the beginning stages of figuring out exactly what it is and gaining clarity on what they want to build to figuring out their niche, their ideal client, understanding their messaging, and then actually building and creating their course or their program. We go through tech. We go through legal stuff. We go through accounting. I mean, we really break it all down and we go step by step through the whole process so that they can eventually have an up and running business, you know, payment, sales, lead generation, all of it. So how in the weeds do you get with that? Like
1: if I went to you, for example, and I was like, I wanted to start something completely different than I'm doing right now. What, what job, what temporary job do I need to do? How much, like, do you get into that level of specifics of like, okay, you need to find something that you can make X amount of dollars. And then this, the next three months is what you're going to have to be doing to get yourself to a level of doing it full-time.
0: Yeah. And I just want to say like majority of people are not going to go full-time in three months. It's very, (laughs) there's a misconception. You don't kind of join a three month course and have a six, seven figure business after three months. And it is a business. So for anyone out there thinking like, oh yeah, I saw people doing that and I want to post on Instagram and make money. um, (laughs) Think a little harder. It's it's a business. Like I'm running a full-time, it may as well be in brick and mortar. It is a real business and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of different hats in different areas. And until you're ready to hire a team to do all those things, you have to do them maybe alone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot. But um, to answer your question, I think it's just different for everybody, right? Like, do you have a spouse that you're on their health benefits? Do you need to worry about benefits? Are you working part-time? Are you working full-time? There's just so many different factors. So yeah. it's an individual case-by-case situation. A lot of the clients that I work with either have a nine-to-five or and are trying to transition out, or... I work with mostly health and fitness professionals. So a lot of them are teaching classes or training clients and again, trying to transition out or maybe just shift the, um, shift the balance a little where they're bringing a little bit more in online than they are in person. So we're just kind of like trying to figure that out.
1: So I really want to talk about delayed gratification with you with that that was a perfect segue for it. Um, What, first of all, how do you approach this with clients that are, that are looking to make a drastic change in their life? Like, what is that kind of process of you coaching them and having kind of those expectations talked about very early on? And is it is, I'm sure case by case by person, but is there like a general, if you
0: follow these guidelines, you will definitely see something in the next X, Y, Z time. Yeah, for sure. So in the program, like the meat and potatoes of my business is a course called Empower University, which Mm -hmm. is a 12-week coaching course. Mm -hmm. And we do have kind of trackers, progress trackers throughout the course. And if you do follow and you do, you know, you are your own advocate, there are certainly specifics that you should be reaching at those different points. One of the biggest things actually the biggest thing is mindset. So any gap or hole or issue or challenge in your business is direct reflection of what's going on in your personal life. Like what, for example? Um, limiting beliefs, you know, comparison, um, distraction. And so we're so focused on mindset so much though, that I actually have a mindset coach within empower university And I'll shout him out because he's amazing. Nick Pags. love him to death. Wait, I was just listening to you on his podcast and he's incredible. He is. He has a podcast called Let's Go. Let's Go. (laughs) I actually, I
1: was, I I really like that name.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm from Miami. So it's like what everyone says. Yeah. (laughs) So he is specifically in there as a mindset coach to kind of help nip some of that stuff in the bud and just help with the whole understanding that like we're playing the long game here. And if you come into this program and you think that you're going to turn around in three months and your life is gonna be different, then you're probably going to fail. Yeah. Um, your life will be different, but not in a way that you're just, you know, popping bottles and yeah. taking vacations. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever take
1: on people that like don't even know what their first step is? Like I like let's say someone, because this podcast is about helping people kind of identify what that thing even is, which is literally taking it 10 steps backwards. But if it's someone that's like, I know that I wanna be my own boss for X, Y, and Z reason. I have some skills here and there. I don't know what I want to do. Like, do you take people on at that level or do you take people on when they've kind of established exactly what they
0: want? So both yes and no. I 100% will take people on if they're at that space where they're not exactly sure. Mm -hmm. However, I will not take them if it's for the wrong reason or they're not ready to do the work. So my interview process is pretty, it's pretty intense and we do not take everyone into the program. We have to make sure that you're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you. Um but that's what are
1: the what are the things that you look for?
0: Um I'm not a hand holder. So I will not hold your hand. And if through the interview process, even or application process, I can tell already that you need a lot of hand holding, that's something that I consider. I need to make sure that you're ready to be your own advocate, ask questions, leave your ego at the door. Like I said earlier, um do the work, right? And trust the process if you're someone who's really pushing back and kind of arguing. It's something that I just consider. You also have to be ready financially to make an investment and take it seriously.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: what does a course
1: cost? And I'm sure it varies with different coaches, but what what does that kind of look like on an average? You don't have to say
0: what yours costs, but that's such a tough question. It depends how involved the coach is. Yeah. So there's a reverse funnel that I teach in different levels of courses that people offer. So if it's a course that is similar to Empower University where you're getting weekly calls from the coach and there's a lot of touch point, a lot of hands-on stuff, typically a twelve week course is gonna go anywhere from twelve hundred dollars up to, you know, ten, twenty thousand. Wow. Yeah. So at what point is your like ideal
1: client, like at what point are you like, this is the perfect person at the right time? I know it's never the right time. I heard you say that on, on next thing. It's never the right time. You're never going to have enough money, but like there has to be like some, some time ish around that makes sense for a
0: person to do that. Like, is it when they're getting comfortable? Is it? No, I think they have to get uncomfortable. Right. I think that's like the biggest thing. If we stay comfortable, we're probably well, That's what not I mean. Gonna- like if you are comfortable and you want to get to the next level. Yeah. That's kind of. Yeah. As long as you're ready to do the work and you're excited to learn and be coachable or be teachable, those are words we like to use, you have to be coachable if you want to be successful for sure.
1: So what does a course with you look like? Like, what does, like, let's say we start today. What does that, what does that actually look like step-by-step? Like, can you paint a picture for someone that is listening?
0: Sure. It depends on the course. I have a couple different offerings, but the Empower University is a group course. So you're in with a bunch of other people, typically about 20 people in a class. And we have weekly Zoom calls multiple times a week. It might might be by me, it might be by uh, Nick if it's a mindset call, or one of my co-coaches who is also a social media strategist is Dulce Toscano. She's incredible. I love Dulce. Yeah, she's the best. It might be with her. Uh, Additionally, we bring guest coaches in. So I'll have someone from a PR agency or a lawyer or an accountant, something that's not my zone of genius. Someone come in and help teach on something else that I think would be valuable for the students in the course. And then in addition to the coaching calls where like live Q&A is happening and we're working on each other's businesses, There's a Facebook group where we're communicating multiple times a day in there, and you have the actual coursework as well. So with my courses, you have lifetime access to the coursework, and it's run through just like you're taking a college class online. There's modules, they have videos, there's homework, there's written PDFs, there's different things you do there. And again, we mail out a a course workbook when you first enroll. So there's progress trackers. It tells you exactly like week one, do this, week two, you know, do this, and we tell you what your homework is each week, and it's very hands-on. So... When you group these people, do you group them based off of their, if their goals are similar or is it kind of like a one size fits all at whatever stage you are in? So right now when we enroll a new class, it would just be everyone enrolling in that class, but everybody's starting from the same point, point A. Um, If you're at a completely different level, you would be probably encouraged to join a different group. So I have like a graduate program, which is higher level coaching. Um, There's more entry level. So it just kind of depends. We would figure that out before you start. Got it. And what, you don't have to say names, but is
1: there a success story that you would like to share? Um, It could be one of your first, it
0: could be someone new, it can be anything, just something that would be like an interesting story to hear about. Yeah. So in this last year, um, Empower University actually only started as a group course in November. Before that, it was just like a lot of one-on-ones. And so in this past year, we've had over 100 students go through the program. The amount of success that we've had is crazy. I've had so many people quit their nine to fives, um, but financially, I think one of our bigger success stories was one of the girls brought eighty thousand dollars in in revenue during the three months of working together, and since has continued to you know keep bringing in money and build her business, but. Um, that's definitely a higher success rate. And then we have another girl who owns a brick and Is it and for them to become coaches? Like, is it for them to teach how to do other things? Yes. Yeah, so I work with mostly health and fitness professionals, yeah. also studio owners, therapists, anyone kind of in that field. And the reason do is you because- you do it for PR. <laughs> yes. Now we're expanding. But the reason was, um, that's my background. So yeah. the language, the lingo, the pricing, I understand it. Yeah. Versus maybe like real estate, I'm not 100% sure. I could teach you to build a business in any capacity but I just don't know that vocabulary. So I was more comfortable sticking to what I know. Yeah. Um, so one of the girls owns a brick and mortar gym and she wanted to also do online stuff. So while her online business exploded and she's been doing really well, she's also been able to bring in $20,000 extra per month in her in-person studio. Was that the goal though? Or did that happen? Just- no, it just happened as a byproduct of understanding her message and marketing better.
1: Wow. That is so impressive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a huge believer in this and I think it's something that people should definitely invest in, even if I think that you can invest in it at different levels for sure. Absolutely. But I do know that they're in the whole coaching business in general. Like I said, it's been definitely exploding more now with the help of Instagram and with the help of just having social media be more at our fingertips. Um, what would you say to the skeptics? Because there are a lot of skeptics with people that are like, what is this fucking 23-year-old kid being a life coach for? Like, what life have you lived, you know? Like, how do you, how, what would your rebuttal be to someone being like, I don't know about this whole coaching industry. Like, are they just taking your money? Or like, is it, do you actually see tangible results? But what would you say to the haters, I guess?
0: Yeah, just do your research, right? Like anything. It's like if you go to a esthetician or a doctor or whatever that might be, are there going to be people out there that maybe are a little bit of smoke and mirrors? For sure. And I've talked about that because I myself have been in a couple of programs that I felt was a little bit more smoke and mirrors. And when I was on the inside, I'm like, oh, not really. But do your research and be open to what this looks like. And I, word of mouth, referral is huge if you know people that have gone through a program or it's all about trust, right? Yeah. Like I, I feel like I
1: trust you and that I would trust that you are doing your best and everything and all of your ability to get all of your clients to the level that they want to get to. Yeah. But I, I, I do think that that's really good advice. And I think that with any business really, but for some reason, like the coaching
0: business really does get a lot of flack for it. Because like, it doesn't, they don't have any regulations right now. It's so, it's so new. Yeah. I mean, coaching is not new, but this weird online world of coaching is so new. There are no regulations. Even with trainers, it's a big thing where some trainers get upset seeing other trainers on Instagram who aren't certified, but like putting out programs and kind of laughing all the way to the bank. So again, it's just doing your research and- Yeah um, yeah, you have, it's gut intuition, right? Yeah. How do people find clients that may not have a huge following?
1: Like, I feel like everyone has really good expertise in something like mine would be in communications and PR. Yours could be in building a fitness business or anything in fitness, but like it could be someone that has 500 followers and they're an expert in making jewelry.
0: Yeah. You know, such a great question. This comes up so much. And for a while, my like big pitch was that I had done my first multiple six figures. I had under 2000 followers. I think I was right around 2000. Um, so that was like a big,
1: your first six thing. figures
0: in a year, uh, multiple six figures. Yeah. And that was like a wow factor. Yeah. And that's kind of when things started to snowball as a business coach because other, by the way,
1: I knew you when I met you, you were at like 3000 followers. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy trajectory from where you are now. Just, yeah.
0: just have to say that. Yeah, it did jump a lot. But that's when people started asking, like, wait a minute, how are you making this money? Because I have a million times more followers than you, and I'm not. Um, but I think the key is understanding who your ideal client is and how you're speaking to them. Because at the end of the day, it's all about reverse engineering, and it's math, right? So if you have 500 followers, and you're selling a $1,000 product, and you want to make you know, $5,000 a month, well, you only need to have five clients. And if you can't get five out of 500, then either your message is off or your, you know, it's something else that we can work on. So maybe it's the way that you're selling yourself or pitching or your confidence, or maybe you do have the wrong group of followers because you were in a different industry. So how can we gain followers in the correct industry or the correct ideal client? But, um, that's just a, that's an excuse, honestly, because there are seven, there's what, 7.7 billion people on this planet, billion. And it's like, if you need five or 10 people to work with you to make rent, come on. That's really good advice.
1: So the whole point of my podcast, and I'm so excited to have you on because I feel like you and I have kind of aligned on what our active ingredients are, but it's for the person that doesn't even know what that is. Like Everyone talks about working in what you love and I also think that what you love can change throughout, change throughout your life. Like you're a perfect example of someone who's pivoted a few times in your in your lifetime. Um, what would you say to someone that has absolutely no idea what to even ask themselves or what that first step is into identifying what would make them happy doing as a profession?
0: Ooh. I feel like we overcomplicate everything. And I think for me, something is like movement and just nature are two things that kind of bring me back to home essentially. And I think if you can detach from the outcome and detach from the stress of like, I have to figure it out. And you just go back to the inner child and like, just go back to play. And if it's dance or movement or music or laughing, like you, you know what you love. And I also think that there's a lot of pressure right now from society, especially in social media, like make, you know, do what you love and make it a job. And if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. And I think that that's, that's also a little heavy. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that's the case. I think sometimes we do, like I said earlier, maybe you have to grind it out in a job that you're not so fulfilled in, Yeah. but then the key is find time in your off time that you can do the things that fulfill you. And then hopefully the pendulum will swing.
1: What is it about your specific journey and like what you're doing right now that is what brings you to come to those calls all the time, even if you don't feel like it, like what is it that is your personal active ingredient that has made you expand into where you're expanding and you haven't even scratched the surface by the way, like you are going in a direction that I haven't seen people explode like this, especially in a time where Instagram is really hard to gain that following, but you are heading in a direction. Clearly that happens when you are stepping into your light. What is it about what you're doing that you would say is your active ingredient?
0: Um, I have two active ingredients right now and one of them, I'm actually wearing them both on my wrist. One is impact and that for me is, that's everything. That's my driving force, that's my why. So to be able to impact more people, to be able to impact on a greater scale, whether it's friends, family, clients, or just even across the world. um, We made the shift with Fit Trips. We stopped giving to different charities every month and this year in 2019, we decided to only give to one charity so we can make a bigger impact. And so we actually have raised $30,000 for Pencils of Promise, which is really cool. So we're working towards building a school overseas and supporting that school, whether it's with supplies or teachers. I'm very involved with their company right now, their nonprofit. They're an incredible group. Um, But for me, it's interesting. When I shifted from fitness to business, the impact is stronger for me because I'm helping people yes, build their dreams and have time freedom. I'm helping them put food on the table and I'm helping them pay rent. And indirectly, I still get to help people through fitness because they're building out fitness programs and they're helping people with, you know, weight loss and body confidence and getting stronger. And so it's impact. And for me, coaching calls are what light me up. It's the other stuff I don't like. What's the stuff you don't like? the admin, the computer work, the, you know, I want to teach, I want to build a course. I want to film a video and I want to do live coaching. I don't care about email campaigns. I, you know, but it's, that's part of the job. And so I actually wait all day. I get excited for a coaching call. Um, that's that's how you know. Yeah. That's like my juicy soul filling thing. That's amazing. And you do them once a week? No. Well, between all the different groups that I have, because we have graduates and I do about um, anywhere from three to 10. I also have one-on-one clients. Oh wow. Yeah. So I do have <laughs> not three, even like three to 10 calls a week. Amazing. Depending on the week. Yeah. And let's not forget, I am also in a coaching program. Yeah. And so my coaches and the masterminds that I'm in have calls. So I'm probably on close to about 15 calls a week, five as a student, and then 10 as a, as a leader, as a coach.
1: It's actually a really good segue into asking how, do you continue to reinvest in yourself? And like, what, how do you know what that next level is? And at what point are you like, okay, I've reached max capacity at this at this group, with this level, with this coach. Like, how do you seek that next one? Is it through word of mouth, through that group of people that you're with? Like, how, how do you kind of continue to grow and evolve in the space?
0: That's a great question too. Um, so my first coach was five and a half years ago. And I've basically had one ever since. And I have continued to level up with, you know, what they offer, who they are, what groups it is. One of the things that I did was years ago, probably three, two and a half, three years ago, when I was getting ready to leave teaching, there was a specific coach that I wanted to work with, and I was not ready to work with them at that level. So a lot of times when you apply, you have to actually be making a certain income to even get in, or you have to have certain value you can bring to the group. And so there are programs that I can't even apply to yet that I would like to in the future. So I saw this specific coach I wanted to work with, and I wasn't ready. And so I kind of went to their students and then I went to their students and then I went to their students. So you can't see my hand right now, but I basically leveled (laughs) down until I was at a level that I could join. Um, And then over the last three years, I've now leveled up and I keep going back up the stairs, getting to the coach that I want to be with, who I'm actually working with now. But yeah, I think you say who it is. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you're like, no, I can't. You don't have to. No, I'm super open. So I'm currently working with Chris and Lori Harder. I'm also working with Amanda Bucci. So i I have a couple different coaches and a couple different masterminds. Um, and they offer different things. So in one program, I'm more focused on business stuff. Another one, I'm more focused on my community. So being surrounded by like-minded entrepreneurs that I can collaborate with, I've worked with a speaking coach before when I was really kind of focused on getting speaking gigs. So you have to just kind of figure like, what is your goal? What is the outcome for that particular course or coach? So you do recommend having
1: more than one?
0: Not necessarily. Um, Not necessarily. It's a lot. It's actually a lot of Of time, energy, work, money. I mean, I'm making very big financial investments right now. And I'm basically dumping a lot of what goes into the company back into the company or what comes out of it, I should say. But between going to live events, being parts of courses, being parts of masterminds, um, I'm pretty candid. I've said it on Instagram. I can say it here. 2019, I'll have put in about $80,000. So wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that you're making it tenfold. And then
1: <laughs> some. Um, so you said something on Nick's podcast, I keep going back to is it, a really good one, but you said something that it really resonated with me and it was building your own stage because Mm. a lot of these people that are going for these coaching or having someone kind of help them identify their path, like they may not be at that stage that people are inviting them to speak or get their message out in a larger platform. So I want to talk about how you made that shift on making your own stage. And I've definitely, I felt that I've definitely felt that like, especially when I was starting, I was like, I don't feel capable. I don't feel like whatever. And then I just started doing my own my own branded things, my own things that had my name on it, my company's name on it. And then that's how you start getting invited to things. And that's Mm -hmm. how you start getting kind of a new level or new way of being. So I just want to talk to you about how you figured that out and what your first kind of
0: stage that you built for yourself was. Sure. I love it. And you just segued into my other word on my wrist. So my other active ingredient, (laughs) it's actually two words, but messy action. Oh, so done is better than perfect, and I am a recovering perfectionist through and through. Um, but it's just action; it's just taking that first step. It's so cheesy, it's so cliche, but you can't do anything if you don't start. You started a podcast. There's a stage, you know. And and so these people a lot of times want to be a speaker and they want to like get invited to these events. Like you're saying, you have to kind of prove yourself a little bit, and it, you need social proof. You need testimonials. You might need B-roll, right? You might need proof of you speaking, and so putting together events I mean I didn't realize I was doing it at the time but when I started fit trips four years ago, I kind of stepped into that role of every fit trip I would stand in front of the room and speak um, just to say thank you to com- you know yeah. for, to coming to the event and over time I've been invited to you know be on different podcasts or maybe on different panels. Uh, the biggest stage that I built for myself was this past April. I hosted an event. It was, it was big, (laughs) but um, there were 200 women there and it was an all day event. There was a lot of things involved, a lot of moving parts. There were a couple of keynotes and workouts and panels and there was a vendor shop. Yeah, it was wonderful. But that actually was my speaking coach who had said like, just build the stage, literally create the event and people will come. And let me just say for anyone listening, who's like, whoa, I can't do that. Or that's really big. You don't need to start at a 200-person event. Like, do a local meetup in your town, have five people come. My first Fit Trip, I sold five tickets, and only four women came. And I remember crying, like crying to my husband that I was a failure. And he was like, no, you need to show up as the best version of you and get the best damn Fit Trip together for these four women, and it will grow exponentially. And the second one was eight women, and the third one was 20 women, and Shape Magazine was there. And that's when it immediately, like I started speaking with the editors. They were like, what is this? Cause I got, a, I got everyone matching shirts. <laughs> so like, what is going on here? You know, but it was, it was about showing up and taking action. I didn't know what I was, I still don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I just take action, you know, and you learn along the way, like, okay, that didn't work. It's not a failure. It's a lesson. Like that didn't work. I'm going to do it differently next time. Yeah. And I think that that,
1: story of the four women showing up like that's anyone can do that yeah anyone Anyone can get four people to show up and then if you grow from there and are really showing up and doing it for the right reasons which I think is the most important for
0: sure and it's community building right like go to a Starbucks like you don't have to rent a space and get swag bags that's not what it's about like put out a flyer go into like a mom's Facebook group and just be like hey does anyone want to meet for coffee Saturday at noon and we're going to talk about I don't know knitting (laughs) You can that's find four women like yeah and that's literally that's just it starts there. How do you stay organized? Ooh, organization is something I'm obsessed with. I'm not very good at it. Like I definitely our apartment is a disaster, but <laughs> everything like else I can't is not. I can see that happening.
1: <laughs> I feel like I don't know. No, knowing you, I feel like it would be
0: like fucking militant. We just have a lot of boxes because of all the events I was hosting. You know, it's organized. It's just, there's a lot of boxes. Um, How do I stay organized? I live by my Google Calendar. I cannot, if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. I time block and I batch work. Those are two things that I also teach. I use the Pomodoro technique, which is an interesting, it's basically like 20 minutes of work, five minutes of break, repeated four times and then like a longer 20 minute break. So I'll either set a phone alarm or I use like a, There's a YouTube link that I use where it's just a binaural beat, which is kind of like a hum. Mm -hmm. And so it'll hum for 20 minutes and then it shuts off. I have a sand timer. Like I'm, I'm all about efficient time, efficient time. Is going on airplane mode? It's not airplane mode if I'm creating, like if I'm, yeah, if I'm in a creative mode where I'm writing or creating a new course, I'll put it on airplane. Um, But moving, I basically move in between every single call. I try to get up every hour. I take long walks. I'm really excited, actually. I just won one of those rebounder trampolines from a contest. <laughs> Stop! On Instagram? So, yes, I'm so. That's excited. amazing. Yeah, so trampoline. Thank you so much. They're a New York-based fitness studio. And, um, That's yeah, they're so sending cool. it over. Which also like the so fact so that you won. I feel like I don't
1: know anyone that wins them. <laughs> that actually, one of my sick. friends won a trip to London with her sister and wow. they had a, I think it was like a thousand dollar, um, shopping trip to Harrods. Oh gosh. And I was like, I know someone that actually won one of these giveaways. It's like how so cool. crazy
0: now I know too. Yeah. So I'm excited to just jump in between, yeah. you know, in between, in between all of your, yeah.
1: so what's your, what does your day look like? Like what time do you wake up? At what time are you done? And are you, are you done done? Cause I feel like a big. <laughs> pro of having an online business is also that like I feel like you can set more parameters but correct me if I'm wrong I don't know like does it ever does
0: it ever stop it should stop and transparency this is something I'm working on right now boundaries is something I'm really it's a challenge for me and this is a constant conversation at home it really truly is one of the biggest things I'm working on I don't stop and that's not good I don't believe in the like hustle and grind 24 hours a day however that is what I have been doing for the last 2 years but it's also not fully working so I'm still trying to find that blend between the two it's difficult when you work from your phone or your laptop and they're just always accessible so even if I'm quote unquote off and I see my laptop sitting I'm just like Mm -hmm. well I could pick it up and do more um I'm also in the process of scaling my company and hiring more team members so it's just an interesting time for me right now but I get up every day between five and six six is the latest yeah um (laughs)
1: you guys can't see my face right now, but I I just freaked out. (laughs) You know, I
0: have, I have an hour morning routine that is non-negotiable. What is it? Non-negotiable. I love Uh, a good morning routine. Yeah. And again, for those listening, like what an hour, it didn't start as an hour. It started as five minutes. And over the course of the last six years has, you know, just gotten bigger and bigger Uh to the point where I'm like very happy with where it is. So (laughs) first thing I do is I tongue scrape I have one. I got my boyfriend one. (laughs) Do you use it? Not consistently. Like, I don't even want to show you my tongue right now because I'm sick. (laughs) I don't judge. (laughs) Guys, tongue scrapers are a game changer. Oh, my God. So I tongue scrape. No, it's really satisfying. (laughs) And
1: like, it's like your tongue gets real pink. (laughs) It's so gross what comes off of it's it. It's so
0: gross. It really, really is. Really I don't is.
1: Really, I don't even want to know what my tongue looks like right now because I'm <laughs> sick. It's just like a whole
0: disaster. But so yeah. you tongue scrape. So I tongue scrape and then I drink, uh, 32 ounces of warm water. And then I sit and I, <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Copy. Uh, I sit and I meditate. So more recently for the last six months or so, I've been doing Tony Robbins priming exercise. So it's a 20 minute meditation. And then I journal and I kind of have my own jam that I do. I call it a journal jot it's the same things every single day. So I write down everything that's stressing me out or causing me anxiety in that moment. And I just jot like there's no full sentences or anything. Then I write everything that I'm grateful for people, places, things They could be as little as coffee and as big as, you know, health, it doesn't really matter. And then I write everything I'm excited for in particular for that day. So if I'm going on vacation in six weeks, I don't write about it every day for six weeks. And then I write everything that I'm proud of. And that is typically from the day before. Sometimes it's just that I got out of bed and I don't have to, right? Like I'm my own boss. Uh, and then at the very bottom, I future cast, which is a type of journaling. So you're writing as if it already happened. So instead of like, I want this to happen, you write it as though it already did. Yeah. So you're manifesting it. And I kind of end off with some affirmations. So I do all of my journaling. And How then, long does this take? Um, probably about a half hour for like the meditation and journaling and the those two things combined. Yeah, about 20 minutes and then another 10 minutes or so. And then I'm going to copy this. (laughs) I have a a morning routine,
1: but I feel like my, I I just do a gratefulness.
0: That's okay. No, it's a great place. Yeah, but I'm
1: definitely going to copy that. I feel like the manifesting and speaking in that tense and
0: speaking in that has already occurred is super powerful. So I actually read part of my journal on stage at that event in April where I had future cast what it was going to look like the day of the event nine months before the event happened and the audience face was like white. They were like ghosts. that could not believe they were like, there's no way you didn't write that this morning because it was so spot on. There were a couple things that were different. Like the couch was light gray instead of white, but it was, it was like about your, the event, event mm-hmm, standing there life. and what it looked like in the room and how it was decorated and um, how many women were there and just all of it. It was wild. But um, that is yeah. so crazy. Yeah. It
1: really is so freaking powerful.
0: Like, yeah, Because your brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. So if you create something in your head, then that's what your brain is going to go do. It's kind of like déjà vu. You're like, I've seen. Do you think that works
1: for everyone? Because like I feel like with the age of Pinterest and like being able to save your different like pins on Instagram and all that, like I don't want people to get complacent and just like be saying like, I am president of the (laughs) United States.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So there's and that goes back to messy action. There's a difference, right? And that's why. I think vision boards sometimes don't work for people because they just like cut things out, stick them on a board and think it's going to magically happen. It's what action are you going to take now? Yeah. So it's cool to have the vision and have it in front of you every day, like on your refrigerator. So it's a reminder, but then do something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back to your morning routine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So after the uh, meditation and journal jot, then I usually just um, stretch or move. That's not my actual workout, but like just to stretch my body and move.
1: Um, wait, I want to get specific. Like, what is that? Like a downward dog? Like, are you like literally doing yoga?
0: Like, is it a, a online workout class? Or? No, no. It's more just like slide. I mean, it's pitch black. It's like slide off the okay. couch onto the floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll foam roll, you know, I have some like lacrosse balls and stuff. I might, yeah. if my hips are tight or whatever, just, just slow kind of movement. Um, the Tony Robbins priming that I'm doing has breath work in it. So I've kind of already done the breath work and then I'm just kind of waking my body up Mm -hmm. yeah so that's a full hour yeah Yeah, all right cool so
1: now we're at 6 a.m and we're all still sleeping
0: yeah (laughs) and Jess (laughs) is already an hour deep into our morning routine yes well and then I can then I can open emails and pick up my phone and feel like it's okay it's okay yeah because I set myself up and my intention for the day so do you do your to-do list that day or do you do it the night before for the following day um, I have a running, I kind of have it running all the time. So fun fact, if you didn't know on Google Calendar, on the right side, you can have what's called tasks. And so there's, and I teach it, <laughs> Google Calendar guru, you can grab it. Oh my god. Oh my. Um, so there's a task kind of manager, a task bar that you can just add stuff in on the right. And so that to-do list type of stuff goes there for me. And then it gets plugged into my calendar. So I know exactly where it's going to go or where it's going to happen. So if I need to create something, I plug it into exactly what day and time I'm going to be doing that thing. And again, that goes back to when I like batch work or time block. Uh, And then the leftover stuff, I use what's called a loop list. And so you know how you have things on your to-do list that just like keep coming up and you never do them?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it's
0: usually like laundry. It's like stupid things. Yeah. So what I actually do is I block off an hour of time, typically on Friday, and it's just loop list. And so then I start at the top of the loop list and I just bang each thing out until the hour is done and then I move on. So strategic, I love it. Amazing. Okay, so what time are we at? I don't even... Oh, I mean, depending on the day, sometimes I have early morning calls Mm -hmm. and then also depending on the day, either it's like a creation day, it might be a coaching day, it might be a sales call day. If I'm I'm like doing a launch, I have team meetings. So it really just kind of depends. But at that point, (laughs) yeah, I work from, you know, well... I'll work out in the morning. So maybe it's like eight o'clock now. And so then I'm just like working eight to noon. I try to take lunch at noon and give myself noon to like one i I'll do lunch and I'll take a walk. And then I'm back on the computer f- from, you know, two until right now, seven or eight. And then I have dinner with my husband and then I'll go back on the computer. But we're trying to adjust that because that's not healthy. Does he
1: also use online coaching? He does not. He does not. No. Interesting. He has a normal like like nine to five. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So I feel like after this conversation, I'm like (laughs) every single person can be doing online coaching. For sure. In addition to their nine to five. Yeah. Like I feel like. That's when I started. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, for absolutely any type of industry that you're in, this can always be a supplemental income and just another way to exercise your expertise in a way that you may not be able to hold someone's hand and do it for them day to day in whatever it is that you do. Um, and you specialize in health and fitness, and I'm sure that there's a million other people that specialize in, in whatever. Um, so for anyone listening that like does absolutely anything, you can be an accountant, you can be whatever, like, how do you know how to monetize? Like, how do you know how much that expertise that you're giving is worth? Like, how did you first, I I mean, I'm sure your coach helped you, but if it's someone that's trying to figure out how much they cost.
0: Yeah. I think we, discredit ourselves sometimes for the stuff that we just like innately know or the things that we're good at. And Mm -hmm. we don't think that's valuable information, but that could not be more like farther from the truth. Mm -hmm. The stuff that you know, and that you enjoy teaching and coaching and talking about, um, it's so valuable to other people. Like there, again, there are so many people in the world, what, you know, so many people don't know. And being able to package it and bundle it is often where people kind of get stuck. And that's where I think getting a coach is great. The platform that I use to do all of my coaching is called Kajabi. And they have a Kajabi conference every year. This year. Are you ready for this? This is crazy. They were talking about some of the like more obscure businesses. There is a person running a multi-million dollar business through Kajabi, which is just a platform, on how to teach cats how to urinate in a toilet. No. Yes. No. There's another one, multi-million dollar business, teaching how to make Christmas ornaments. Like No. Mm-hmm. There's that someone is- there's someone who wants to learn. Like, how do you differentiate yourself
1: with especially like fitness coaching? You know, like how do you, how do you stand out from the coaching space, especially when there's like Skillshare and YouTube and all these things that people can be doing and searching for for free? Like, how do you kind of get your message
0: out in a way that you're like, it's actually valuable to do this this way? I love this question because I get a lot of my students will ask me this because in the online coaching space, fitness is actually leading. So there's everyone from estheticians, like there's so many different things, but fitness is leading the industry. And online fitness trainers are a dime a dozen. (sighs) Okay, so the differentiating factor, like the secret sauce, and I've said this before on other platforms, is you. And people hate that answer. But the only thing that is different about you is you. And so the reason why people follow you, whether it's the way that you dress, the language you use, the bubbly personality you have, it doesn't matter what it is they're going to be drawn to you or they already are drawn to you for that particular reason. So people talk about this all the time. The industry is extremely saturated, but I truly don't believe it's competitive. There are a lot of people doing it or trying it, but maybe not doing it well. And at the end of the day, it's again like why, there are thousands of trainers in person. Why would someone go to you? It's typically because geographically it fits or because in their schedule, the time fits. It's the same thing online. Geographically, you're popping up in front of them Maybe they know someone that went through your program. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say your program is that different, yeah. right? You're a trainer and you're offering X, Y, Z. It's very similar to other people, but your you is the secret sauce. And so the more you, it's so cheesy, the more you, you could be like, it no, really is so like the more authentic. If you're just, there's so many people out there that we know who have like little quirks or they use certain products and like, you get to know that and you get to love that to the point where some of these Bigger, well known influencers get shipped the products that they're always using, not by the company, but by other people. Like, I saw this in the store and I bought it (laughs) because I thought of you, right? So it's really just like your brand voice and in who you are. Like, I just try to be, I'm just me. There are, when people come to me, I'm like, there are thousands of business coaches, right? Because I'm even, I even question, I'm like, why wouldn't you work with my business coach? (laughs) You know, like, why are you coming to me? But sometimes they don't even know that those other people exist, right? Or they're not ready for that level. How does someone start monetizing? Like, how do you know how much that costs? How much does your you cost in this space? Um, ask for help, you know, get a coach. And this isn't a sale. Like, just I, I think it's really important that you ask for help. Look at the other industry standards, see what other people are charging. And then mathematically, there is a, an equation that you can do. I've posted it before. Um, it's based on how much you're trying to make in terms of yearly salary and then how much you're willing to work in terms of hours, days, and weeks. And you can mathematically figure out, like, technically what your hourly charge would be if you were going to hit the goal that you wanted to hit working the hours you're willing to work. Yeah. And keeping that in the back of your mind, maybe not charging that exact number, because it often comes out a lot higher than we think that we're worth, um, which you are worth it. It just takes a little while and sometimes confidence to get there. Yeah. Has I mean, I'm sure your rate has grown, but, like,
1: does that grow with your confidence and the confidence that comes with seeing your your clients succeed. Absolutely. Or, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And it it does with my clients as well. Like when you were starting, you weren't, you, and you didn't have these case studies. Was it drastically, the price was drastically different?
0: For sure. Okay. Yeah. You have to have that social proof both for the people coming in and then also for yourself. Like that confidence is huge. I will have clients often kind of do a launch as we call it and the first couple people they sign on they're like eh like they're kind of scared on the I sales feel like call it has to be so yeah. nerve wracking yeah but then by the time you're signing up your 10th person you're like oh pff, this is easy I'm, yeah. I'm worth more than that right and it's finding that balance of well, I don't believe in balance it's finding that dance between resenting having to show up and really feeling like you're getting what you deserve yeah yeah let's say you're launching a program and you're doing sales calls and you're closing 100% of them you're priced too low you just are like you really shouldn't. Good be, advice. Yeah, you shouldn't be closing 100. percent. It's awesome and it feels really good, but if that's the case, then your price too low. And so jump it up a little bit, and don't just jump it up because you can jump it up if you think your program is worth it. So my my whole thing is over deliver. I make sure all of my clients over deliver. I certainly over deliver. I know that I do, and I would rather over deliver than under deliver. Totally. Yeah.
1: Well, I always close out the podcast asking what is your literal active ingredient, as in what is like the actual thing that you can't go a day without? It could be your journaling. It could be coffee. It could be movement, something that you just
0: can't go a day without having. Ooh, my active ingredient that I can't go a day without having. Um, laughing. That's such a good one. <laughs> Where can everyone find you? I'm on Instagram most, and I'm at jess.glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. I have, you know, I'm over on Facebook too, but mostly Instagram. If you want to check out my website, jess.glazer.com. Guys, follow
1: her. I promise you, it is so worth it. She is absolutely incredible.
0: Come visit October 19th. We're doing an event. Oh, where? Oh, that, the one that you were just talking about, no? No, no. It's a different one right here in Union Square. It's called the Empowered Preneur, and it's for anyone who's interested oh, wait, in- Oh, I saw
1: this on your story. Yeah, yes. interested Amazing. in getting
0: started, monetizing. It's a full day- fully immersive masterclass. So not like an influencer event, no crazy swag bags, nothing like Instagram booths. It's just you're learning. And we have a bunch of different speakers. We have a bunch of different things we're going to be diving into. And it's really for any studio owner or anyone, not just fitness professionals, but anyone that's interested in learning how to monetize their social media, grow their social media, like start an online course, any of that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This thank you. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Yay.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a second to rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient.